Was there a hidden meaning behind J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings? Did the Peter Jackson movie trilogy based on the books give us further insight into the mind of Tolkien, showing us the dangers of the New World Order, the military-industrial complex, the government surveillance state, and the 9-11 attacks? Today we're going to discuss some of the theories put forth by Jay Dyer and Jay Widener on their show, Hollywood Decoded. And that is Freaky Deaky. You are now entering the realm of the Freaky Deaky, an unsuspecting stop at the crossroads of fantasy and reality, where the frayed edges of make-believe seep into this cookie-cutter, white picket world you've been led to believe is far from extraordinary. What you're about to hear are true stories. <clears throat> Alleged true stories. Christian, just... <sighs> okay. Tales of the strange and inexplicable thought only to exist in film and folklore. Although difficult to accept, we do not know everything about this reality, about time or space, what lies beneath the ocean's depths. And try though we might, the unchanging truth remains. There are some things we legitimately cannot explain logically. Welcome back to the Freaky Deaky. We're here. We're touching on something that for a while now I have been fascinated by, but I never really had the time to even look into. It was just something I kind of saw in a YouTube video once. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so I passed it on to you and I was like, hey, if you get a chance, look into this a little bit. And you know, I'm a nerd. So yeah. And so this is you're clashing two of your favorite things, uh, nerddom and the Freaky Deaky podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find yeah. out what my I'm like, what is the second thing? I, was yeah. like, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess, yeah, getting a chance to talk about Lord of the Rings with a hint of some truth behind it, perhaps maybe a, a twisted history of the world that people aren't too familiar with. I don't know where I'm kind of interested to see what, what where you took this myself, because like I said, it's what I did here was in like an eight minute video, eight to 10 minute video or something like that on YouTube years ago. And it just kind of stuck with me to where I was like, you know what is everything that Tolkien wrote about actually based in reality was there some kind of crazy war that took place in the past that had dragons and all kinds of crazy stuff i don't know i don't know but i like to i want to believe that i live in a world where that is possible so whether or not you're going to agree with that stance probably not but i figured we could uh, see where it goes anyway it was a fun topic to research and i mean it, it's once you t mentioned it to me i started looking into it i watched rewatched all the movies mm -hmm. and then of course with rings of power on tv yeah. It's very topical right now. It's a it's a great topic to jump into. Uh, without further ado, Christian, if you will take it away. All right. Jay Dyer and Jay Widener discuss the meaning of many Hollywood blockbusters. In their series, they discuss everything from Stanley Kubrick's 2001 and Eyes Wide Shut, which we should talk about someday, mm -hmm. to The Matrix, Blade Runner, and Spielberg's Minority Report and AI. Great movies. Yeah. Which one? Uh, Minority Report was fantastic. Yes. If we could swap Tom Cruise out with someone that's not a mental patient, that'd be fantastic. You know, like we were talking, I think we were talking yesterday. He's his movies are entertaining. Yeah. I don't. I don't. He's not my favorite. Oh, there's no denying the entertainment value. I'm not saying that. I'm saying Tom Cruise in general. 
can suck a fat one and get lost forever because <laughs> the dude is just too much for me. Yeah. AI was also great. I don't know if you remember that movie. I don't know if I saw it. With the little yeah. Haley Joe Dallas. You got to watch it. I, I know who's in it. I just, I don't, I'm not sure I ever watched it. Yeah. It's, it's actually a really good movie. Gotcha. Leaves you with some questions though. Not questions about the movie, but questions about reality. Oh, great. Yeah. That's what, just what I need. Especially as we go into the AI age. But we are here for Lord of the Rings. Most of the discussion is on the three Peter Jackson movies, and they have a fascinating take on what is really being said by Tolkien regarding the past and the future in Tolkien's time. We will be focused on their interpretation of the story and not the overall world that Tolkien developed for his stories. I just want to say that out front because there's a lot of people that know this world way better than than me. Oh, yeah. So we're not going to go down all, you know, all Are the you lore. saying that we're not the people that everyone goes to for answers on the entire world, Christian? I'm I'm shook right now by this you should information. Be shook. We got some work to do. Yeah, clearly. But first, let's talk a little bit about J.R.R. Tolkien. John, John Ronald Rule. John Ronald Rule Token was born January 3rd, 1892 in South Africa. His family can be traced back to East Prussia around the 1620s his descendants would immigrate to London in the 1770s. Tolkien's parents were Arthur Rule Tolkien, an English bank manager, and his wife Mabel, who was from the Suffield family. I don't know if this Suffield family is related to some of the people that served kings and queens back in the day. Maybe not. Hey, let's live in a world where it is. Yes. There you go. Picture that. His father worked for a British bank in South Africa, and when he was three, traveled to England for a long family visit with his mother and brother. Arthur Tolkien would travel later to England, but he never made it back to his family or homeland as he died of rheumatic fever before he left South Africa. Well, we're getting this episode off on a great, happy start. Very wholesome so far. You know, what's funny is when we like, cause I always, I look into a lot of, and a lot of old stuff and history and stuff. And sure. That's like everybody back in the day had somebody dying like yeah. that. It's like, oh, we're going on a vacation. Which one of our family members do you think isn't going to make it home? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like the other thing, usually it's the mom because they were all dying in pregnancy or giving birth. Classic. But. So we can skip a bit of the story here as he has been all over the internet lately, of course, with the show. Hmm. There's plenty of channels to go watch to learn all the history and lore of this of this world. Are there any that you want to give a shout out to real quick that maybe people can say the Freaky Deaky sent them? Nerd of Rings. I've watched a lot. Nerd of Rings. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. It checks out. Shout out Nerd of Rings. Yeah. On YouTube. On YouTube. Okay, so his mother instilled a love of reading and Tolkien, so he, and he could do so at four years old. Wow, that's pretty impressive. In 1900, Mabel Tolkien became a Catholic, which upset her Baptist family. This cut off all financial assistance from them. Tolkien hmm. was 12 years old when his mother died of diabetes in 1904. It'll come for you. Yeah, that's kind of crazy, though. That wasn't, like, now all of us have some form of <laughs> diabetes, but... Yeah, we're, we're all part of the beatus. Yeah. Yeah. Before she died, she assigned guardianship of her two boys to her close friend, Father Xavier Morgan. She asked that he bring them up as good Catholics. Tolkien admired Father Morgan, who would later be concerned about Tolkien's interest in Edith Mary Brett when he was 16. Nice. Yeah. Get it, Tolkien. Yep. She was three years older. Oh, oh. Older, okay. I I read something entirely Yo, different first. You, I was like, oh goodness, yeah. <laughs> never mind. Yeah. No, it's a royal marriage. Yeah, okay. She was three years old. No, I don't. Three Beautiful. years older, and she was a Protestant. Protestant, which, if you know your history, English 
Catholics and Protestants haven't always been fans of each other. Oh yeah. A lot of burnings. They were forbidden to meet, talk, or even correspond when Tolkien's studies began to suffer. He followed the rules until he was 21 when he wrote Edith saying he never stopped loving her and wanted to marry her. And she accepted. That's crazy. You don't really see those types of love stories anymore. Not with like Tinder and Bumble being all about and whatnot. No. It's like, I will wait for you. No, it's like, where'd you go? The gas station? Hit the rocks. There's yeah. someone else waiting down the street. Exactly. Well, yeah. Fun fact about that is she had already accepted a marriage proposal from mm. someone else. Well, but ain't that just <laughs> the way it goes. But yeah. the only reason she did so is because she thought Tolkien had forgotten about her because they hadn't talked. Mm. So she ended that oh, really? engagement and married Tolkien. She was like, oh, for the record, um, someone that I was thinking about nonstop while you and I recording each other is suddenly back on the scene, looking pretty dope, might write a few great novels at some point. Yeah, he has and, no uh, money now. But I see a future with him, yeah. is what she's saying, yeah. And it, actually, the fact that he had no money and stuff, I think made him love her even more because she was still willing to marry him. Hmm. Yeah, and that's what you need, fellas and ladies out there. Pay attention. You know, if you find someone, marry them before you're wealthy so that you know they're not just, you know, picking your pockets every chance they get. Yep. That's and what I did. China knows I'm poor. Yeah. And then you can get half. Yeah. Then she can get half. Yeah. That's great. Man or woman. If the other person's rich, you're getting money. That's great news. Yep. Fellas, also pay attention to that. Yep. We will only take 2% of your half. Hmm. for giving you that suggestion. Send it to the Freaky Deaky. Yeah, that's right. Hit us up for the details. We'll, we'll get that over to you. Yeah. World War I began, and his family were shocked that he did not en enlist right away. He deferred until he finished his studies. After military training, he would be sent to France. The night before departing, he spent with his wife, Edith. He later wrote, Quote, junior officers were being killed off a dozen a minute. Parting from my wife then, it was like death. Wow. Which is, I mean, World War One was a really brutal war, so. Yeah, so if he were to enlist into World War One, it would probably also be like death. Yeah, Just exactly. in a much more painful way. Yep. So he was off to the front line before coming down with trench fever. I think that was a disco dance craze in the 60s, right? Trench fever, yeah. 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 Actually, it was... The, it was pre-disco. Back when there weren't dance floors per se. <clears throat> well, it was just bad to put a disco ball in the middle of a battle. Yeah. Kind of but it's also distracting, so maybe a good idea. Yeah. Ex Hang it off the end of your tank. Yeah. They didn't really have too many tanks back in World War One. Were there any tanks? A couple. Then near someone the, could hang it the off end. the end of their tank, yeah. Yeah. What's crazy is World War One started with cavalry, soldiers on horseback, and ended with tanks and airplanes. And then, hey, what better come up than that? And machine guns. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. humanity from there on out. Oh, yeah. Trench fever is was a common thing back then. It was spread by lice, which was all over. That's how these people succumbed to trench fever is lice? Lice in the trenches. Damn. But you got to remember the trenches, some of the trenches were made with dead bodies. Like so many people were getting killed. They'd stack the bodies up to kind of protect them. They're like, oh, no, Greg. And oh, then, also, Greg, yeah. help us make this wall, please. Yeah. Way to make light of a very sad situation. It was pretty sad. Yeah. So he was pulled off the lines, but he was at the Battle of, of Somme, which is one of the deadliest battles in World War One. I. I think the British lost 20,000, had 20,000 casualties like in the first day or first few hours. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was bloody. Hey, you know, some battles are worse than others. Exactly. And that is the end of my pun based commentary for this section of the show. Yeah. We're going to get, we're going to get, keep it serious for a little bit so that we can get back into the vibe. Are we though? 
No, probably not. But we'll, I mean, hey, hang tight. <laughs> While he was convalescing, many of his school friends were being killed. He was in and out of hospitals, still serving garrison duties, and he began to work on what would eventually be the stories of Middle Earth. And after the war, he started teaching. One of the places he taught was Oxford, which is, I believe, the second oldest university in the world. It's older than the United States. It's a humble brag. Way older than the United States. I think it's, yeah, I think it started around like three, one thousand, or a little bit after that, twelve hundred. I yeah, can't. But remember. what were they teaching then? You know what I mean? Probably a lot of stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very descriptive. A lot of stuff. I can tell you what they weren't teaching. What? How not to succumb to trench fever. Yeah, that would come later. Yeah. He had access to a large library of early English and Norse writings. He was a philolo philologist. What was he? Philologist. philologist? Yeah, exactly. So he understood... Stirred... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He understood them. <laughs> so he understood... Words and their origins and meanings. Nice. Something that, unfortunately, we do not have the same privilege of. How many times in this show are we looking down at something and just dead silence for 20 seconds as we try desperately praying for an answer on how to pronounce this word? Many times. Mm, yes. He's, he seemed to have... Well, have you ever heard, like, some old English? I don't think I... It's a hard language. It's a hoot. Yeah. yeah. And when I try to read it, it's, it's totally different than what you would yeah. think English was. Jay Dyer and Jay Widener begin their discussion speaking about the many aspects of Tolkien's writings. They speak of ancient history, stating that Tolkien called it real. They also mention Greek and Hindu mythology and the alchemical and hermetic aspects of the story. See, we're getting into the juicy bits and we're only a hefty 15 minutes in. We're getting to the good stuff. Yep. Alchemical is always fun. Oh, yeah. Dyer feels that the story is a warning of the future and that we, we will be saved from the coming disaster. Widener mentions that Tolkien could travel the countryside on Sundays with his wife and C.S. Lewis, where, we'd, where he would find ancient street names and be able to tell them what it meant, who the name was talking about, and basically a, his, a history just by knowing where the word came from. So this is a man who was clearly very well versed in language. Yes. And linguistic skills that could probably, you know, go toe-to-toe -to -toe with any of the greats today. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, and then he made up. All the languages and Lord yeah. of the Rings he made. I mean, yeah, he can. He knows language so well that he can just pull one right out of his butt. Yeah. And be like, hey, this is also a language. Yeah. He Speak could, it and he'd throw it at people. Yeah. He began making his own languages with his cousins at like 12, I think. Mm. He was young, so. Yeah. That checks out. I mean, what else were we going to do? Are we going to play Call of Duty back then? I don't think so. He was going to go visit the English countryside that he loved so much. Yeah. We'll Which, get, we'll, yeah. We'll come to that part of the story later. So if you were thinking about tuning out, no, 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 we're getting to the English countryside later. You're going to want to stay tuned for that. We won't really talk too much about the English countryside, but we'll talk about the effects on his writing. Gotcha. We also have the religious aspects of the story. Some of this would not be published until after Tolkien's death when his son Christopher edited early and unfinished writings like the Sumerillion, which is not like Lord of the Rings. It's because it was never really finished. It's a little bit harder to read, but there's some good stories. Does it take place in Middle Earth? Yes. And some of it goes back to way at the beginning where the... Uh, Sauron was working at like some grocer or something like that? No, even before oh. that. Oh, wow. Yeah. it's It basically goes into like how the world came to be. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Fun fact, Middle Earth used to be flat. 
Oh, wow. Would you look at that? Yeah. You're throwing a bone to the flat earthers out there. Yeah, exactly. And nice. until a big battle with Morgoth, who's before Sauron, we won't go into that part here. Go check the videos out on online. Um, but they basically did it to kind of cut off the So there wasn't a straight way to get to, in my opinion, heaven. There's a curved way instead. Well, it's just, it's just not ex accessible to everybody. Gotcha. Gotcha. So they, the one above all, the God of this mm. world turned it into a globe. Nice. So yeah, take that. The elves seem to be almost like angels. The men find importance as always in ancient bloodlines and power. And then we have the deceiver, the Satan like Saturn figure in Sauron, who was once a follower of a being that is the original being person of evil or I don't know, spirit of evil. You can say being of evil. I don't think a lot of beings out there are going to get offended by it. Yeah, I don't. Have you ever offended a being? Yes. Okay. I have probably offended many of them. Yeah. So that being was Morgoth. The two J's, which sometimes is just easier than saying their full names, make reference to the end of an age in the story. And Lord of the Rings is during the third age, and it leads into the fourth age. As most third ages do. Exactly. Yeah. So. This is where we are now. By all accounts, it seems like this age is on its way to an end. And that's this age we live in, you and I, oh, in cool. the Freaky Deaky podcast. And it's on its way to an end? Yeah. Which oh, perfect. means we got to fight evil again. Finally. Yeah. It's over. Oh, this means we will have another grand battle of good versus evil, David versus Goliath. And we will, of course, be victorious again because we are the good. We might even receive divine help once again yeah are all of us going to be the good you think even like serial killers out there going to be like i am the good That'll or be... do you think like there's they're going to be like hey what's this morgoth satan type stuff all about because sign me up for some of that right and i want to wear one of those fancy masks the orcs wear i know not so much the orcs but like the the ring wraiths always wore really cool oh yeah they were cool yeah yeah of course as we've recently found out they don't like to be called orcs they like to be called uruks well, who are we to step on the toes of the, the Uruk? You know what I mean? I mean, it, they can identify however they'd like. I'm fine with that. Yeah. See, we keep things topical here. All right. People think we're not in the know. We're in the know. We're totally in the know. We're a woke podcast, right? Everyone's cringing around the world as they hear that. But, you know, it is what it is. We are not woke. We're not. We're not. I'm very much asleep all the time. Yeah. All right. I'm going to read this part, but I don't know if it's something we want to keep in there. Yeah. Actually, if you could read the rest of the parts, too, that'd be great. That's the only way we translate it into audio format. Smart ass. <laughs> it began with the forging of the great rings. Three were given to the elves, mortal, wisest, and fairest of all beings. Seven to the dwarves, great miners and craftsmen of mountain halls. And nine, nine rings were gifted to the race of men who above all else is their power. I love that last line because it's, it like just, it cuts a little deep. Mm. Jack, oh, I'm sorry. We desire what now? Not love or intimacy, but power. Yeah. Let's talk about the rings of power. Okay. The rings are temptation. You know, before I get into that part, let me just point out when I watch these episodes on Gaia TV. Oh, God. <laughs> the very first line or the very first thing that shows up, hmm. the views of this whatever may, may not be the views of, of Gaia. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we at Gaia don't necessarily support this. Okay? Yeah. So we're going to go into the part where the two J's are discussing this. And yeah. we may or may not agree with this. 
Yeah. Me personally, I try to align myself with whatever the Gaia network also aligns themselves with. So I'm glad they put that little precursor in the beginning there. Right. Yeah. I don't know what to say to that. Sometimes you don't need to say anything. Yeah. The rings are temptation and also dark sorcery. Maybe even a warning from Tolkien about the future surveillance state based on the one ring to rule them all. They are spiritual temptation, seeking power for the sake of quote-unquote raw power. We see in the reactions of Galadriel and Gandalf that while they are tempted by this power, they are wise enough to understand that they would become evil despite their good intentions if they possess the ring. They won't even touch it. If you meddle with pure power, almost any individual would fall to darkness, except for me. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah. The ring is the machine, and it must be raged against. Okay. <laughs> I just had fun with that one. It is industrialization, which we are used to now. We don't really know how the world was different before this. Tolkien lived during this time. He watches the machine tear down trees and destroy the beauty of England and the world. Things were lost that we don't even remember anymore. Now we live in a world that is damaged by this need for power and wealth. I don't really see that around us, right? I mean, everybody's no, just it's kumbaya. All, it's all hunky-dory out there. Yeah, no wars, no oil, Yeah, money. Now, let me ask you this before we go any further. So far, it seems like these guys are pointing towards a metaphor of sorts, right? Like Tolkien's world is built around a metaphor of what he's seeing in the actual world. They, in some cases, they're saying it's prophetic. Okay. That he's- Like he's some kind of prophet or something like that? He's given us a warning. What about, are we going to touch on at all anything where people believe that these actually took place and it's more like of a story, like retelling a story? Yes, we will get into that a little bit. It seems that the two J's are against transhumanism and technology. Canceled. Yeah. Both are displayed in the tragic life of one of my favorite characters, Gollum. The ring, like the technology of transhumanism, gives its holder a Longer life, but it comes at a price. Being so, ugly and crawling around rocks and caves all day. Yeah, and having a split personality, maybe. Mm -hmm. That would also be, yeah. Yeah. When mentioning technology and the war machine, they make an interesting connection to the Pentagon and the New World Order. They say that the, that the evil New World Order is going to underestimate us little people once again, just as Sauron underestimated the little people of the Ring stories. The Hobbits, of course. Knowing about Tolkien's war experience, it seems like the Hobbits are possibly inspired by the many good soldiers and friends who came from small places and had small, ordinary lives. Yet they impressed Tolkien as he was an officer and found he, he liked the regular soldier much more than those gentlemen who led them. The Hobbits might have been a bit of the early peoples of the British Isles also. So, I mean, when you go back into like some of the things he talks about, he is really talks about like the, the regular men that served in World War I. He didn't hang out as much with the officers. He didn't respect them the way he respected the farmers and the well, yeah, that's right. regular workers that served with them. And that could also be some of, that could have started him down the path of this whole power dynamic and war and stuff like that. Sure. Okay, so we know the 19 rings were made, but Sauron had the one to rule them all. He put part of himself in the rings so he could watch and gain control over those who wore the other rings. Gross. 
we might recognize this kind of surveillance in our world as corporations. Might we? Yeah, might. Of course, he predicted this. Hmm. Now, those who produce or control the tech can watch our every move, record every keystroke we make, even controlling what we buy and who we vote for. So one of the most fascinating characters is Gandalf. He has the feel of a, of a pre-Christian mystic. He reminds us a bit of Merlin, yet Tolkien seems to have made him more of an old Odin-type character. I found out while looking into this, you know, the Odin we hear about hmm. from North, Norse mythology was a wanderer dressed similarly to uh, Gandalf in his travels. Yeah. Before Odin became Thor's father in Marvel movies. So it's a long progression. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Odin would like being a, a product of consumerism now? Yeah, I bet that'd be his favorite. Yeah. When Gandalf takes on the Balrog, he yells, I am the servant of the secret fire. The Jays tell us the secret fire represents the sun. When Gandalf is pulled into the abyss and dies, we find him reborn as a more powerful Gandalf the White. Racist. We get some biblical stuff and the good old white hat, black hat stuff of early Hollywood before we fell in love with the anti-hero type we like today. Imagine that this story is a true history of our past. Thousands of years ago, we con conquered evil with the help of our mythical friends. They left us to what would be the age of men. And here we are, according to the show, at the end of another age. But there are no elves, dwarves, or hobbits to help us. We are alone in this fight against evil. I mean, there may be elves and stuff. Maybe. Possibly even dwarves, man. I've heard some crazy stories. Yeah. Well, I think our best bet is to grab some, uh, is to become friendly with like Sasquatch and Dogman. Hmm. Those kind of things. Super Get some skinwalkers on our side. Yeah. Actually, the skinwalkers are probably agents of Sauron in this world. Yeah, it kind of feels like they would be, huh? Yeah. Yeah, not so much a call over for dinner type of thing. No, no, let's... Let's skip that thought that I just had. Okay. Well, well hey, that's something that everyone in this podcast is all too familiar with doing. So that's yeah, par for the course. Exactly. Fret not, the Jays have found that we will win in the end. They tell us so. Oh, that's great. Which is fascinating to me because through the whole episode, there's two episodes they made on Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And they are very confident that good will triumph over evil. That is, I feel like the way most things go, you know, the confidence or that we actually defeat evil all the time. I feel like good usually triumphs over evil. It, it maybe not in like, you know, grand gestures that we're familiar with, but most of the time, bad things always come to light. You know what I mean? Right. Like stuff can't stay in the darkness forever. Light is always exposed on it at some point. And it may take time. It may not be traditional ways that, that we expect or hope things to pan out. But if you look at the overall like long timeline of things and you look at bad events and you look at what from that bad event caused something good to happen down the line, it's usually a, a triumph. Like it may be not again, as thematic as we'd like it to be, but I think so. I think most stories will, will show that the light always triumphs over the dark. Yeah. Especially because, you know, Tolkien was a devout Catholic and there is a lot of religion mm. within this story. Sure. Especially when, if you go back to the beginning of Middle Earth. Yeah. And, and it's, I think it's great. I think it's fascinating that a Catholic would put like someone like Gandalf in there. Yeah. Who is obviously not a Catholic or not a Christian. Mm. If you really look at him, he's that old school. He's a wise sage. Yes. Yeah, from that probably he found, Tolkien found writing or in writings in, in the libraries of Oxford, mm. talking about some of the old heroes of, 
of the English Isles. Classic. Yeah. So, and and the guy Jay the Jay Widener and Jay Dyer. You could probably just say Widener and Dyer. They're both named Jay. Yeah, Widener and Dyer. There you go. Good point. Yeah. Um, are seem to be looking at this through a religious lens, mm-hmm. kind of like which you kind of need to with Tolkien. I mean, you don't have to be religious to yeah. enjoy the story. It's good. Yeah, good versus sure. evil. But Tolkien was was into his religion, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. He It'd made be weird to skip over that if that was the case. Be like, yeah, whatever about that part. Yeah. yeah. I, I do like that he could put somebody like Gandalf in there without like making him evil, like a lot of devout people of those yeah. years would have done with that kind of character. Sure, but you know, he did include evil wizards as well with you know Saruman and yeah stuff like that. So I don't know, you know, I mean, there's well, I think it's a it's a good way of saying that something and even somebody as powerful as Gandalf or Saruman could be turned hmm. to the dark side like Vader. I mean, yeah, just look at Darth Vader. Yeah. Am I right? Right. Everybody's sexiest man in uh, Middle Earth, Aragorn. I thought you were going to say Frodo. No, no. Those feet, man. <laughs> yeah. They I do don't, it. I, I don't do feet, man. They do it. It is he that must lead men into their age. This is because of his bloodline. They point out that because of this, he is the chosen one to lead, which is kind of creepy to us now since we understand what those supposedly pure bloodlines have done in their leadership of humanity. Nice. Yeah. They also compare Galadriel to the Madonna whore in her darkness, yet also like a Mary figure if she does not embrace her dark feminine side, which I kind of felt was reaching a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They did say something negative about a, a heroine and a story. Christian, you got to jump on that. You're not yourself if you don't point that out. It just bothers me that it like that's kind of I just felt like that was a little bit of a older way of looking at something like that. I'm like, why do you even need to go that deep into it? Just because she knew like that one scene where she when Frodo wants to give her the ring hmm. and she kind of gets really dark. That's well, glad really you got pretty dark there for a moment. Are you OK? Yeah, I haven't eaten anything this morning. <laughs> Gollum is, of course, compared to the Kabbalistic creature of a similar name, which I think we've talked about on the show before. Gollum. What's similar to Gollum? Gollum. The the Jewish oh, Gollum. The, oh, okay. Gotcha. I'm not. <laughs> well, you said the same word twice. Yeah. But it is similar. Wow. Yeah. I'm not sure on that one, but maybe. Yeah. And for those that aren't familiar, Gollums are just like, it's like a thought craft, right? Yeah. Like pretty much you create this being with your mind. Well, with magic. With magic and your mind, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a it's made out of clay or something like that, right? Some something like that. I, I might be mixing up my my lore here. It's a no, no. Early. I think you're right there. It's okay. and then it like falls apart later or something. Yeah. We'll do an we'll do an episode on them in the future. That'd be interesting. Yeah, they m- mentioned how Gollum doesn't have a personality. One of them saying that there is nothing there. I always felt that the trauma Gollum went through made his personality split. This gives us an early version of something we n- now call disassociative identity disorder. Tolkien ha- might have experienced this with amongst his friends in World War One. Yeah. And if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, now would be a good time to go and do that. We actually did a video over the summer, I believe, as a bonus story where we kind of discussed back and forth on you know dissociative identity disorder versus possession. And I feel like that was a it's a it's kind of like a, a topic you have to tiptoe in, because if you if you take the wrong side on that, then people are usually on you as being some kind of religious zealot or you know, being stupid and not believing science. But I think personally, there's a, there's an argument to be had there. And that's a good video. So if you want to check it out, it's pretty short. 
four or five minutes, I believe, but it's over on the Freaky Deaky YouTube channel. Go like it, go subscribe it, go tell your friends, and let's get back into the episode. Okay. Now we're going to get into the two towers. When I say two towers, does it bring up any imagery? Uh, yeah, two towers. <laughs> I mean, we Very mentioned it earlier. Specifically, yeah. one tower and then right to the left or right of it, depending on what side you're standing on, an identical tower. Now, what could that be? What could that be? Well, if it's anything else like Washington, D.C., it's all phallic in nature anyway, so. Probably. Yeah. That's what a tower is. The first movie came out in December of 2001. A space odyssey. Oh, wait. No. Yeah. Sorry. Close. A movie we in America needed at the time. A distraction. We all know what happened in 2001, right? I don't need to spell that out. 9-11? Yeah. Okay. And also me in sixth grade. So. Really? Yeah. Scary time. I was not in sixth grade. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. A year later, the second movie was released. And since it was called The Two Towers, it was easy to see where our minds would go at the time. And that's also where Dyer and Widener went. Dyer, yeah, what now? Dyer and <laughs> Widener. What? What the hell? Okay. Did I say it wrong? <laughs> no. No, it just, you said it very quickly. So it was like, this is where diarrhea went. Oh, okay. Diarrhea, who now? Yeah. Diarrhea. <laughs> God, yeah, we're not going to have diarrhea in this episode, Christian. Please, Cut no, that out. please. Yeah. They mentioned that Tolkien could not have seen the attacks on New York's two towers. Well, but, yeah, <laughs> obviously. But he could see it intuitively. They talk about numerology, and as they mentioned, that nine is the number of initiation, and particularly dark initiation. They don't mention the 11 part. Okay. <laughs> which is like... Well, what is one? outside of being the loneliest number. I went and checked. I found that one can be a representation of power, independence, and new beginnings. Oh, that's interesting that you had that. I actually asked the question before yeah. I read ahead. I'm like, <laughs> my wow, Christian, that was really fast of you to go and check. <laughs> I came prepared. There is a first for everything. Yeah. So in the show's view, this attack was some kind of initiation, which is something that has resonated with a good amount of people in the world. Numerology is always fascinating to me. I love numerology, even if whether it's true or not, it's, yeah. it is fascinating. There's, but there's some people out there like numerologists, for instance, obviously people that study this stuff day in and day out. Um, they have some very compelling, you know, facts to back up how these things work. I remember it was probably a couple of years ago now at this point, but I've, I listened to a podcast that had a numerologist on it. It might've been tinfoil hat, but yeah, he was going on and on about like different numbers. And he was like, he was talking from like even a point of like sales and stuff like that. He was like, if you want to make sales and your price tag, I think it was either or your price point with an either like an eight or a six or one of those numbers. And he was like, and it's just you make more money that way because yep. this is the number of money and this does this. And I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, I was like, it'd be interesting to, to try some of that stuff out even. Like, but what is it? Is it like, is it on the scale of, you know, witchcraft or is it just on the scale of like energy and knowledge and stuff like that? You know, I think that's a. Like the way you said that, is it witchcraft or energy? I think it's turned into like witchcraft through the history of the church. Mm, um, of course, yeah. You know, like back when everything that wasn't directly what the church said was evil, where they were basically killing whole groups of people because they weren't didn't quite worship the way they wanted them to. Yeah. And I think that's where maybe, but numerology has been around since Mesopotamia from my understanding. Yeah, it's been around for a while now. And like I, I kind of say words are magic sometimes on the show. You say a lot of stuff is magic. Yeah. yeah. But so numbers would seem even more magic here. Yeah. 
to have yeah. more power to say it properly, but yeah. because because of all the stuff we can do in this world with numbers, you know. Sure. My favorite numerologist is somebody called or named Glennis McCants, who used to be on Coast to Coast AM a lot. Oh, nice. And I like her a little bit because she doesn't get as dark, but she does advise people on like starting their businesses on certain mm -hmm. days based on the number. Yeah. Naming their business a certain thing based on the n numbers. Yeah. Naming your children, you know, how to find the right partner. I mean, she gets way deep into it and it's pleasant listen, whether you believe it or not. So sure. if you ever yeah. listen to her, she's, she's a good listen. She brings a lot of positivity. Yeah. And she's been around for a long time. And from like the standpoint of like religions and stuff like that, like it may be viewed as witchcraft through re like religious eyes or whatever, but yeah. all, and uh, people have to understand this that aren't really religious, that everything boils back to, if you're religious, you're told not to step into any of these things that like give you answers outside of God. Right. You know, so that's it. Like, it's not like, oh, this is evil. I can't believe you do that. It's just that, you know, as a religious person, you're like, I'm not supposed to do this. I'm supposed to go to God for answers. Right. But who's to say that God wasn't like, hey, there's power in these numbers, you know? And like, if you do things a certain way that you can actually crack a little bit of a code. I don't, well, there's like, a lot, I don't of, lot claim of to speak. Yeah, yeah. I don't claim to speak on behalf of the Lord. I'm no. far from that. So Th those parts of religion are more human based than yeah. a higher being. Sure. It's just basic like control in that time period, mm -hmm. why they did that kind of stuff. Yeah. So numerology probably can be found in the Vatican. Yeah. And that's, that's why I just want, like, cause there's a lot of hatred for, especially the church. And there's like some that is warranted, obviously, yeah. but there's a lot of people that just don't understand that. And they think you're, oh, you're being a bigot or you're being this and that. Like, it's not even that it's that like, this is what we believe. Like, it, I'm not saying you're evil. I'm saying that it, I cannot do that because my religion states that I can't do and, that. And a lot of people feel that same way. Yeah. And sometimes getting close to darkness leads you into darkness. Let's True. be honest. I mean, that's yeah. why that, that kind Tempting. of rule is there. Yeah. It's that temptation. Yeah. I, I tend to believe in the devil. I know. Yeah. No, I, I, <laughs> I <laughs> what if we just ended it on you saying, yeah, really quick. You yeah. were like, yeah. And before you did anything, I just stopped the entire episode and it's over. You can put that in the after yeah. credits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I tend, tend to believe that you're, you're not really following your religious doctrine. If you can't get close to that darkness and leave it, you know what I mean? It's like, otherwise there's no challenge. You're not yeah. proving your faith. If you can't be right there and walk away from it or fall into darkness and come out of it. Sure. I think that those, some of those rules are a little too controlling because in this world, you're always going to be experience some kind of darkness and you have to, whatever religion you are, yeah, you have to pull yourself away from it. So sure. Yeah. It's not succumbing to the whatever, Yeah, obviously, but like also don't just go like, you know, prancing through the darkness being like, ah, this, why did this happen to me? Like, well, obviously you open some doors, you know? Yeah. Well, there's a reason why we don't let our children play around with darkness when they're young because they're not prepared for it yeah you know even as adults i don't feel prepared for it half the time so yeah it gets pretty heavy in yeah. the darkness we're getting to, toward the end here and then i'm going to go in and talk about some of my feelings on the, this so we'll, we're going to go into old england here in a minute oh fantastic yeah but first let's talk about aragorn again he lives longer than men of middle earth hearkening back to a religious golden age when people had longer lifespans which Methuselah status. Yeah. yeah, it's I mean, we all not maybe we all anymore don't know. But when you get in, when you read some like the Bible, hmm. um, the Old Testament, those people lived a long time. The hell yeah. And then even if you go into like Egypt or Mesopotamia, their people lived a long time. They're yeah. like leaders yeah. lived a long time. And it was like not, oh, he's 80 and, you know. 1000 yeah. BC. That's a toddler. Yeah. That's a toddler. Yeah. Even people that died at like 350, like he was so young. 
Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's kind of crazy to look back and, and people I've heard people argue about it mm. all the time. Like that's just the story or yeah. maybe they measured time differently. I'm like, none, yeah. of the, none of the explanations for that part of the Bible or any of the ancient religious or text of heroes. Yeah. Makes it would sense have to be to atmospheric me. or something, right? I don't know. Like, wasn't there, a, and maybe I'm like way off base on this, but wasn't there like a phase of like, you know, megafauna and, and all this stuff and like much huger trees. And so like, well, maybe more oxygen rich environments. That could be. Yeah. You know? Or actually, no, because oxygen slowly kills us, right? I believe so. Yeah. It's so, not always, so, but, but there was a time where things were a lot bigger. Sure. Um, for whatever reason, we'll, we'll let the scientists tell us how, what that is for now, because yeah. I don't know how to explain it, but <laughs> trees were bigger. Yeah. Animals, of course, were bigger. Yeah. Ladies. Humans yeah. might've yeah. been bigger. Oh yeah. Everything was bigger. Ladies. <laughs> yeah. They might've survived into modern times as our giants. Oh yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think there's a case for it. Obviously. Like if any, if anything can happen, then why not old people, you know? Yeah. I don't think there's evidence of why that happened hmm. in these stories. Just or, stated that it was. And there's, and the stuff that I've heard people come up with kind of to shoot it down kind of yeah. doesn't make sense either. So it's, I'm, sure. I usually leave that one alone. Leave but, Brittany alone. Yeah, exactly. Everybody should leave her and alone. And that one is, that one that you're referring to is Brittany. Yeah. Let her, let her dance in front of her camera on Instagram every day. Yeah. She can dance if she wants to. <laughs> she can leave her friends behind. Oh, I hate that song. Why do you, how do you know this? All like you, Everything is in my head as a lyric or a movie quote. Okay. So if something happens and it triggers a response, it's usually a song. And I'm like, oh, that's a song. That's the beginning of a song. Because what are the odds that, how often am I going to hear she can dance if she wants to? I'm just amazed because you can pull out the ones that drive me the craziest. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a gift, man. I it is know. really weird. Yeah, but uh, I think it's almost closing time on this oh, conversation, so we should probably get going. As we see Saruman, the evil wizard that carries out the orders of the all-seeing eye, that is Sauron, he is using the military-industrial complex to first destroy the land while building super soldiers, while building super soldiers to snuff out the light. Saruman is the Illuminati. <laughs> that is, that's a clip right there. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Saruman is the Illuminati. And we think we alone can win this fight with the help of spiritual beings that live among us unknown. Once you bring in the Illuminati, you have all the fun stuff. Yeah. It's not a party until the Illuminati are there. Yeah. Interesting. So before, before I, I say a couple things. What do you what do you think of of some of their views? Uh, again, I think most of it was metaphorical. It seems like like they were just being like, "Oh, well, this could be this or that. This means this." And I don't know. Uh, I I I do enjoy their show, hmm. but I think they're reaching on this one especially. Some of the other yeah. ones not quite. And some of the other movies they talk about not not quite as much. Yeah. But in researching this, because I watched their shows, I watched all Lord of Rings, I read a bunch, looked up a bunch. I don't think. Tolkien spoke that way. He did like one of the, he doesn't believe in allegory. Yeah. He just says, tells, does the story and whatever his inspirations were, it's not really the focus of what he writes. And he says that in interviews. So you don't so, think he was trying to get like a message across or anything like that? Or you think it was more like just building out a story? I think there was a message, but I think it was more of like a biblical type message. Yeah. Of good versus evil. Sure. You know, a religious, his, his religion mm. was part of this story and he built this world based on his beliefs. So, yeah. you know, I don't think he was going to, I don't think he really cared about the new world order. I don't think he, he definitely didn't know about nine 11, but he did know about industrialization, which, you know, started around his childhood. Yeah. And he watched the countryside. He was, 
he played in as a child become factories and all this you know especially back then they didn't they didn't have rules on what kind of pollution you put out in the world so not only did they have build these factories they had ch children workers and stuff like that nice but they were spewing all kinds of toxic smoke and pouring stuff into rivers yeah. that was poisonous i mean for the record we still do that now we just don't do it in america as much we yeah. just we yeah. export our sludge and whatnot to other countries where we can kill their children instead exactly thanks then, chevron yeah it looking looks, at you it looks good on paper because it's easier to hide the deaths of poor people in other countries yeah mainly because we don't report on that exactly why would yeah. you that's bad for business exactly yeah but i think with this like his experiences in World War One, which, you know, is unimaginable as far as, as the war goes, because you're, you know, not too long before that, if you look at the Civil War, mm. they're just standing toe to toe almost with cannons and single shot rifles. Some muskets, getting, yeah. yeah, getting real down and dirty with it. Yeah. And then 30 years later, 40 years later, they have machine guns, airplanes, tanks. It's weird. Right, it seems like a kind of quick progression. It was. From, it was very quick. Yeah, because we'd been fighting the same way for hundreds of years, and then all of a sudden, all this new technology comes in. Yeah, the machine gun, especially, was it's pretty much just like the nail in the coffin of you know any kind of civilized combat or any and civilized is a reach for a word as it is. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of creepy how quickly that all came about. Well, they were fighting World War One a lot, like how the U.S. was fighting the Civil War at yeah. the beginning, and. Then you, they have these machine guns or these better rifles and they just decimated people. That's why so many people died, mm -hmm. you know, and they, they still find war, the bombs from World War One in, in Europe that were unexploded. That's pretty nuts. Yeah. All, after all this time. Yeah. But I mean, to me, it's more, the story's more about like maybe prehistory that we don't know about. I actually believe, I mean, we've talked about it before. I think mm -hmm. humans have been around and done a lot more than we give them credit for for a longer period of time yeah um and according to this story kind of gives you what he said what he believes is prehistory prehistory <clears throat> he called it a he wanted a he wanted to build a, a myth for his homeland hmm. you know because there were myths in like the germanic areas yeah. and all over the, the Euro european continent but england didn't really have one he wanted and, to build one or he wanted to bring light to one that was he said he wanted to build one, mm. um, but also when you're at Oxford and you have all these old books around that nobody's probably reading because half the people there probably couldn't read that language, but he could. Yeah. And he could also read, you know, all the Scandinavian languages. You see a lot like the elves almost seem to come out of that, that region of the world. So that's, that's where people are saying that he might've actually just been telling a story that already happened. Yeah. I'm, I kind of feel like he might've been. Like some yeah. of those stories might have happened and he knows about them and maybe they were mythic, but when he was reading them, maybe elaborated on them a yeah, little bit or yeah, and changed it around a yeah. bit. But to me, myths always have a, a part of truth to it. Hmm. So, but okay. Would you say that like, obviously Lord of the Rings is fantasy, right? Right. It, there's dragons and there's, you know, and rings that make you invisible and there's all kinds of like these crazy zombie men and crazy stuff right trees yeah. that talk and walk around and smoke weed or whatever <laughs> that is that is true yeah. tolkien actually brought weed into into the world calling it pipe weed there which might go. just be tobacco but i like to imagine it is is marijuana yeah a clove marijuana cigarette it's, especially when you see how excited mary and pippin got to get it when they found it <laughs> yeah they're like a whole barrel yeah yeah so um so but are so again it, it's if you're a commoner and you look at the story, it's fantasy, right? Right. 
But if we think that maybe he built it off of actual, like, quote unquote, events that he read about in books filled with language that nobody else can read, are we including the fantasy aspects? Are we including the wizards that perform, you know, magic and spells and these dragons and these gigantic, like, Balrog and stuff like that? Like, are we including all that, dwarves and elves and all the, the whole nine? Or are we just saying that it was people fighting and there was no wizards or anything like that? You know what I mean? Like, he's not the only one that talked about wizards. True, yeah. You know, during the old days. He was not the only person that talked about dwarves or elves. So if it was a historical account, it's possible that he was actually referring to things that maybe are outside the the realm of possibilities nowadays that people look at and be like, oh, that's just fantasy. Well, another thing, too, when you talk about the end of the Third Age and you think about the movies where Galadriel and all the elves go off to their kind of heaven, in my opinion. Yeah. All the all the elves left at that time. I don't know what happened with the dwarves. I'm sure they stayed in the mountains and, and maybe they're still there if if this is true. Mm. But all a lot of these the fourth age was the age of man. Yeah. So a lot of these things went away. Maybe there was no more Balrog. They're or probably, maybe it's just Balrog's deep in pretty, the pretty a, a pretty crazy being in this show. Yeah. So I don't know if there ever was one of those, but But I mean, if we're talking like fire breathing dragons and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Like I'm just saying that you we can't even we can't say one could be a possibility and the other one's just far-fetched. Like there's there's stories of giants in caves, there's stories of little people. Like right. there's all kinds of stuff that you're like, I could see that being uh, you know, called called a dwarf in this whole thing or anything like that. Like, who's to say that these creatures didn't all come together and fight for whatever evil was taken over the land, you know? Yeah. Well, now we know it wasn't known while Tolkien was alive, but there were a species of of humans, kind of kind of humans that were hobbit sized yeah so we they found the the remains of some of them and i think i believe it's indonesia it's part of asia i don't yeah. remember which country it was but yeah so maybe i mean you start putting these like obscure pieces together and maybe it's not as far-fetched as as it sounds originally from a book you know yeah and, now i'm not saying i believe everything in lord of the rings was like a based on a true story but the idea that some of it could have been from like these mystical ages back in the day that nobody really truly understands or, or lost to history. Like that's fascinating. We've lost a lot to history. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the dragons, well, there, there's not really dragons in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. We see it in the Hobbit. And you and I were talking about, I'm going to tie this to the, the Nephilim. Sur- no, not the <laughs> Nephilim. That, well, I got to, you get Disney references every episode. I get to do a Nephilim reference. All right. Fair. That's fair enough. I'll tie it to that to close it out after this. <laughs> um, okay, so you and I were kind of talking about dragons yesterday. Yeah. And how they're it's fascinating that they're all over the world yeah. in ancient times, including South America, which is really strange. So somehow somebody was listening to us talk. Because I went home, popped on my YouTube, because I do a lot of research on YouTube, and I YouTube is just It's your God, I know. Yeah. One of the suggestions was dragons, the history of dragons. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah, Google. Yeah, I mean, it's it'd be different if I had set it in my house around my TV, around my technology. You had your phone on you, didn't you? Exactly. That's all it takes. So it was it was, but it was a it was a fascinating take. It was interesting to to see these different histories and dragons and yeah, and even they even broke down the words in different areas of the world and what they meant and basically it meant serpent. Mm. And if you look at old dragons, old stories of dragon, old images, especially in China. They didn't have wings. That was later. So yeah, I don't know. Their but, final form. Yeah. But maybe, you know, dragons is very confusing to me. People are like, there were no dinosaurs that live with humans. 
but maybe there was something left over that yeah. all these you know could be just a huge snake we see those in south america sure and a, a snake big enough to to eat you yeah that would be pretty scary and there were probably a lot more of them in different parts of the world a long time ago and venomous you know if it was acidic i could see it being burning yeah yeah but you know who knows we haven't yeah. found the remains of that kind of thing yet so yeah unfortunately i mean as you know for me i think humans live with dinosaurs in general i think it was some weird offshoot anyway i think it was well and never was, meant to be i and... was thinking about that because we talked about that yesterday too mm -hmm. and when i was i was watching the dragon stuff i was thinking about it and maybe maybe one of the one of the dinosaur species that survived could fly I mean, we right. know they were related to birds, so maybe one of them, yeah. you know, it would be a, a, an animal that could fly, especially if they were strong and could fly a long way, might be able to escape some of the stuff that yeah. killed the, all the dinosaurs. And maybe they lived for a while and maybe that's what scared the crap out of humans. Also, though, early humans were probably really afraid of snakes, especially big snakes. Normal humans are afraid of snakes. So yeah, yeah check out. But... So, I don't know. I, I, I just I believe that there is a hidden history I don't believe like when you go to Atlantis or talk about Atlantis. I've never been, but yeah. Yeah. Well, if you, it's a cool thing is in the new show Rings of Power, there is a place that is like Atlantis. And I don't, I should tell you this story because it's kind of fascinating. But the reason there is this island that is like Atlantis, and I'm not going to say the name of it because I don't want to give spoilers. Wow. Tolkien wrote this thing about this island because he was having dreams constantly of this, like he called it his Atlantis dream, hmm. where he was in Atlantis or a place like Atlantis and the ocean just overwhelmed the island and made it basically sink. So he actually mentioned his Atlantis dream and that's what inspired this part of the story. I mean, you know, there are a great deal of cultures out there, mine included, that think dreams have meaning. I, I And you too. could either, it could either be prophetic, it could be living a, a event that already passed, whatever, you know? So, I mean, if you have a, a common dream that keeps reoccurring, I hate to think that's just, oh, I had some bad chicken. And it just, every time I eat chicken, I have this dream, you know? Yeah. It, it's like, uh, you know, I, t I tend to believe, you know, I'm the skeptic here, but I tend to believe that there was something like an Atlantis. Mm -hmm. I just don't believe there were like UFOs or spaceships or stuff yeah. flying in and out. That's because your belief hasn't reached peak. Ex Once your belief peaks, that's yeah. when you're going to be like, I feel it. I feel the UFOs. You know what yeah. happens after your belief peaks though, right? You start talking about Nephilim all the time. No, you just go. It's just a, you go, you go down, you mm -hmm. know, you get to the peak. The only way is down. No, that's called the valley. You keep peaking till death till you poke on through to the other side oh, that's the most positive thing i've ever heard you say yeah peak till death yeah usually it's me with the positive stuff do you feel like you learned anything or is it oh yeah no it's a great story i um the military industrial complex probably well when you think about Tol tolkien when he wrote this he it was lord of the rings was published in the 50s but he's been writing it since he finished sure, the yeah. hobbit in night in the early 1900s yeah. yeah so i don't know that but it's not a far cry to believe that it could have been inspired or not inspired, but even like be just dropping a few little hints like, hey guys, watch out for this, you know? Well, I think another thing too we forget in the United States is we're not really touched by war ever, but everybody in Europe has been for thousands of years. Hmm. So they can kind of look at things and they have a better perspective on what's coming and what's building. Yeah. And I think Tolkien knew what was coming based on fighting in World War II and watching Germany you know, rebuild itself and Hitler come to power. Sure. It's not a far stretch. And then seeing what countries like the US and Russia would do after World War II. And that was be build up the military industrial complex, which made us all rich. All of us, but I don't feel rich. 
I mean, it made us a richer country. Oh, well, maybe, maybe the money yeah. hasn't gotten to you and I yet, but it. Let's be honest. The, the government money... says it will, right? Yeah. Oh, the government. We just have to work for them. Cut to Pink Floyd. What's that wall song? Another brick in the wall. Another brick in the wall. There you go. We don't need no education. Yeah. And you know, I, because it's the government education is indoctrinating us into the working class. We will always be the little people. Yeah. As we rise up and have divine help at the end of this fourth age. I suppose. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that's the story. Close us out. Again. It's yeah. closing time, Scott. It's closing time. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have thoughts of your own on this theory, or if you have anything you'd like to add, head on over to the social media pages at Freaky Deaky Pod on Instagram and Facebook. We're trying to grow those pages out. Those are the ones we're most interactive, I guess you could say. We have a TikTok at TFT Paranormal that we're building too. But uh, more importantly, head on over and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We have bonus videos. Uh, weekly, uh, I guess, recaps we're going to start doing. We're going to try. And then also, you know, get a, a preview of the episodes before they go live. And, you know, who knows? Maybe you get some out of it. Tell your friends. Share it around. If you have a story of your own or you'd like to submit an episode idea you'd like to hear us discuss on the show, send it into the gang at thefreakydeaky.com. Until then, I don't know what we got going next week. Maybe Haunted Forests. Maybe, Maybe Haunted Forests. We got That's... Halloween coming up, right? No, Halloween was last week. I'm so con- Halloween was last week, yeah. Christian is still living that candied stupor, but it's all right. It's okay. We'll we'll get through this. Um, yeah. So next week might be hollowed forests. Damn it. We've done a lot of hollow. Yeah. Very hollow folks around here. Next week we may be touching on haunted forests. It's up in the air right now, to be honest with you. But stay tuned either way. Come back right here every Thursday for a fresh episode of the Freaky Deaky. Until then, have a great weekend, and we will see you on the other side. Not of death, but of the other, the next episode. We'll see you then. Maybe death. Yeah, maybe death. Yeah.